Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. You're listening to episode 45 of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, Kristen here. Welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Today's topic is one that I have been asked a ton about, but it was one that I wasn't comfortable speaking about for a really long time. Because friends, you know that I am not a doctor or an RD or a pediatric nutrition specialist, but what I am is a holistic nutritionist with a ton of nutrition knowledge, a certified intuitive eating counselor who loves teaching about intuitive eating, but most importantly, I'm a mama who cares a ton about raising healthy, intuitive kids. But the world of kids' nutrition and just how we raise our kids in general can be really controversial. So this isn't something that I wanted to talk about for a long time, but ultimately I decided it is a really important area to me and to the moms that I support. So today I want to share with you my best advice coming from someone who has two little kids herself, a bunch of nutrition knowledge and knowledge about intuitive eating on how to raise intuitive nourished kids. But before I even begin, I want you to know right off the bat, my goal here is simply to encourage you not to make you feel bad if you've done some of these things I mentioned. I have, I think many of us have, and it's okay. Your kid's relationship with food, just like yours, is always growing and evolving. It's just your job to foster it. As Maya Angelou said, know better, do better. And that's exactly what we're doing today. 
I think so many of us grew up disconnected with food and our bodies. I think that was just the society that we have lived in for the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. We have been taught, you know, to overcomplicate food and to look at nutrients rather than food as a whole and to focus on things like the amount of food on our plate rather than listening to our bodies. And my experience with food growing up, I talked about this a little bit when I shared my story, but I think it was very traditional in the sense of kind of the standard American diet, the standard American way of eating. And I can actually remember a very distinct experience from when I was a young child. I was probably five or six, probably around the age that my oldest, Sage, is now. And my dad is a fabulous cook. So he worked at an Italian restaurant for quite some time when I was a young child, Um, but he was always working two jobs so to support our family. So he was away often, and my mom typically did most of the cooking, and my mom didn't have a lot of cooking experience. So when my dad came into the kitchen and my dad was cooking up something, it was usually really delicious. But on this one particular occasion, my dad decided to make something that was something that, you know, as a child, I ate most foods, but there was one food that I absolutely positively did not like at all, and that was onions. I could not stand onions. And it's so funny because to this day, I love onions. I'll put sauteed onions on my burger. I eat onions and everything. I don't have any problem with them. But I didn't like the smell of them. I didn't like the taste of them cooked or raw. I did not like onions. And he decided to make French onion soup. And he did it right. I think my parents got these for their wedding, but they had these little French onion soup crocks because we did not eat French onion soup often. But for some reason, they had those little crocks with a handle. And, you know, he made the soup and he put the bread on top with the cheese, something I would find absolutely delicious now and something I do enjoy often now. I love French onion soup. But as a child, I thought it was completely disgusting. I could not stand it. So I remember him making the soup and I came home from being outside just playing with the neighborhood kids and I walked in the house and I could smell the soup and I was like immediately overcome with nausea. (laughs) And I have a really strong stomach. I was never, you know, a nauseous child. I did have some digestive problems later on, but nausea really only happened when I was pregnant. So this was not common for me as a child. And I remember like running to my room and closing the door and like telling my mom that I didn't want to eat dinner. And of course, my mom was offended because I'm sure that my dad was just trying to give her a break and make something special for the family and I didn't want it. And so I came out and I sat with the family for dinner and I can't even remember if I ate a bite, but I know that I couldn't even stand the smell. And so I refused to eat it. And my mom made me sit at the table and sit there and basically stare at it because I refused to eat it for what felt like hours. I have no idea how long I actually sat there, but I went to bed hungry because we were required as kids to eat what was in front of us, to, you know, that clean plate club, right? To eat everything that was on our plate and then we were done. And now I will tell you, I've shared this with my mom. I've shared this experience and other experiences with my mom. And I know that as moms, we are just doing our very best to nourish our kids. And this idea of cleaning our plate, there were hungry kids in Africa, so you have to eat everything I serve you. It wasn't 
out of our parents trying to create this lack of trust in our bodies. They were simply trying to nourish us. And I know that my mom was just had the best intentions and she was just trying to nourish us in the best way that she knew how in the way that she grew up too. She also grew up having to clean her plate. But I remember this experience. It was almost traumatic. It is that memorable in my head. And I know that sounds silly and I'm not comparing it to real true traumatic events, but it is something that affected me. And I have, there's multiple experiences that I can recall as a child where I was required to eat everything on my plate and I didn't want to. I remember being a really slow eater as a young child. So sitting at the table far beyond when everyone else had left the table, which is also funny to me now because, you know, working in the food industry, and having kids now, I definitely eat faster. That's something that I now have to consistently work on in my life, eating more mindfully and slowly. But as a child, I ate really slowly. And I remember having to eat everything on my plate, even if it didn't taste good to me, even if it didn't feel good. And that was an experience I had. And that was sort of my first experience of not being allowed to trust my body. Um, And I've talked before in my story about my experience with disordered eating, but something that happened as I got a little bit older was when we had a couple of really truly traumatic events that kind of happened when I was a young child and really affected me, I started turning to food to comfort. Because for so many years, I was out of touch with, you know, eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm actually full. It was eat when you want to eat or eat when you have to eat when you're supposed to eat you have you eat when your plate is finished rather than when you know your body is full turning to food to comfort wasn't hard because it made me feel good and I didn't have that ability to notice that I was feeling full I had kind of lost that at this point you know 11 or 12 and um, turning to food when I had had struggles at school or we had you know struggles in our home and this lack of trust really kind of bred these early experiences with with disordered eating from binge eating to then later on ignoring my hunger signals when I was restricting food. And I don't think that in any means this experience as a child um, caused my eating disorder. Absolutely not. I don't think it caused my eating disorder. That was a lot of factors, really a deep seated issue with finding worth and value with myself was really truly at, at the root of my, my disordered eating. But it definitely played a role in not being able to trust my body. And, you know, I think that as parents, whether or not, you know, we are the parents who also encourage our kids to to finish our plate or we restrict certain types of foods from our kids, I know that it is all meaning well. And it is all in this effort to really nourish our kids well because that is our job as parents. But we think that the solution is to restrict our kids more or control our kids more so they won't experience the harmful effects of things like white sugar and food dye, um, or so that they will get everything they need by encouraging them. Whatever spectrum you are on or you grew up with, the thing is that if we over-restrict our kids, it's been shown that even the most well-meaning parents can oftentimes do more harm than good. Studies actually show that the more restricted kids were, uh, the more likely they are to struggle with food later on. There was a 2016 study done on 170 college students, um, and it was based on their childhood picky eating and pressure to eat food through these retrospective reports. So it was both themselves and their parents. And what it revealed was that this childhood parental pressure to eat, not the picky eating, but the pressure to eat, 
better predicted disordered eating later on. So I believe that this study, it was like binge eating and restrict and binge cycles. And really what it suggested was that this parental pressure to eat in childhood is associated with problematic eating later on. And ultimately, a lot of this is just based around fear. It's fear that our kids are going to grow up unhealthy or overweight or obese or, you know, that they won't be able to, they won't want or have the desire to choose healthful foods later on. And we want to protect them because that is our job as parents. But there is a better way. There's a way outside of restricting or overly restricting our kids or forcing them to eat everything on their plate. What we can do is foster a healthy relationship with foods, help our kids trust their bodies more um, so that they do end up having and, and introduce them to a variety of foods too so they end up healthy, nourished adults. Because ultimately that's what we're raising. We're raising healthy adults. We're not raising healthy kids. We want them to be healthy adults with a healthy relationship with food when they leave our home. So how do we, instead of, you know, overly restricting, how do we help to foster a healthy relationship with food for our kids as well as healthy bodies? Well, first and foremost, the first piece of advice I have, and if you take nothing else from this today, this is what I want you to think about. Trust your kids to know their bodies. Kids need to know that their hunger is normal, valid, and important. Let me say it again. Kids need to know that their hunger is normal, valid, and important. Hunger is a normal and natural biological cue. We all have it. We were born with the innate need to eat food for fuel. Food is the only way that we get the fuel we need to live our lives. And our kids need to know that. And what this creates when our kids' hunger is honored and they know that it's normal and they know that they can eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full, it creates a feeling of safety rather than a feeling of deprivation. And this actually starts in infancy. For a long time, there was this notion from doctors that we should feed children or babies on a schedule. Um, But feeding on demand has been shown to be more effective at helping kids create a healthier relationship with food later on and trust their bodies more. Something um, that I read in the Intuitive Eating book was really powerful for me. It said, if an abundance of food becomes available to a child who experienced a feeling of deprivation in infancy, the child might be prone to develop a natural tendency to overeat. Think about that. If they were deprived, even as babies, that feeling of having to eat more than is needed the next time they eat because they're afraid that they don't know when the next food is going to come, their hunger isn't being honored, then they can naturally develop this tendency to overeat because every meal might be their last. They don't know when they're going to eat next. They're not, you know, being responded to when they are crying and asking for more food. And I thought that was really powerful that it can start that early from infancy. And of course, if you fed your kids on a schedule, this does not mean all is lost. It means that now you have the opportunity to help them develop that trust. So the way that I find most helpful to help your kids develop trust in their bodies is by using the division of responsibility. This is created by Ellen Satter, who is a dietitian and a researcher and one of my absolute favorite researchers when it comes to 
Balanced Childhood Feeding. So she's written um, two books, Child of Mine and Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family. And those are my favorite resources for raising nourished intuitive kids. And basically the division of responsibility goes like this. It's the parent's job to provide the food. This is where nourishment comes in. You provide the variety of nutrient-dense foods. It's the child's job to eat as much or as little as they need. So it's your job to provide the foods, to lay out the plate or have the food in front of them. You can choose the foods you're giving your child, but it's their job to decide how hungry they are, how much they need to eat, or how little they need to eat, and what they are or aren't going to eat. And I know that this can be difficult as a parent who wants to see their kids nourish, and you want to see them eat a variety of foods. But something that I learned way back when in my life cycle nutrition class in college was this. Children self-regulate if you let them. They self-regulate. We have this innate ability to eat when we're hungry and stop when we're full by our body's natural cues. We also, as children, are born with these natural self-regulation cues. So if your kid doesn't eat you know, vegetables for three days in a row, it's okay. Kids need something around three square meals in an entire week in order to get the nutrients they need. That's three meals out of 21, okay? That is not a huge amount. And when I say a square meal, I'm talking, you know, carbs, protein, fat, vegetables, fruit. They will get all of the nutrients they need if they are left to trust their bodies rather than being force-fed foods. And I know it sounds kind of harsh, you know, talking about force feeding, but requiring our kids to, you know, eat their vegetables before they eat everything out on their plate creates this negative association with something as nutrient dense and oftentimes delicious as vegetables. So allowing them to self-regulate and decide if they want to eat vegetables tonight, or maybe they just want to eat protein. Or maybe they're not eating protein. And yes, it is important that our kids eat a variety of nutrients. And there are very rare cases where kids don't eat enough of certain nutrients. And that's when you talk to a pediatric dietitian or your doctor and come up with a game plan. But more often than not, children know how to self-regulate without you doing anything but providing the food for them. So if this is something that you haven't done before, it's totally okay to tell your child that you are doing this now. You can say, it is up to you to decide which foods and how much of these foods you'd like to eat. Mommy has learned some new things about food and I want to allow you to decide how much you eat. It might be strange for them at first if you have required them to finish what's on their plate, but it's okay to tell them that you are changing things up now. Something that we do in our house is simply allow our kids to tell us that their belly is full. So our six-year-old does this much more than our almost two-year-old because she doesn't talk very much yet. But she will, you know, we kind of go back and forth on whether we serve family style meals or we serve like plates or bowls of food. And really, ultimately, it's only because our two year old uh, likes to make a big mass and it just creates a lot of stress and tension at dinner time if we do allow her to to serve herself. So, and we want everyone to be able to have equal rights at the table. So sometimes we'll have the bowls already poured and sometimes we'll have it family style. Usually like on Sunday dinners, we'll do like a chicken and some vegetables and some sort of a starch and then everyone gets to serve themselves and decide how much they wanna eat. And then on other nights, like we had chili last night and I just served up bowls. And my daughter was done and there was a little bit left in her bowl and she said, mommy, my belly's full. 
and we say nothing. We don't question anything. We say, okay, and we take it away, and that's that. And if she wants more, she says, mommy, I want more. And we never, you know, chastise her for not finishing a bowl. Obviously, we don't want to be wasting food on a consistent basis, but trust is more important than a few wasted black beans. Really, what is most important is that your child learns to trust her body or his body when they're all done eating. So we just have them say, your belly's full. And we practice learning, you know, my belly's a little bit full. I could still eat some more. Or my belly's really full. I definitely can't fit anything else in there. And Sage has learned that over time. So tip number two would be to change your language around food. Sort of like having them say, you know, my belly is full when they're done eating. Changing the language around food from good and bad to what we like to use is fuel foods and fun foods. And you can use whatever words you want to use, but really what this is doing is creating positivity around food and teaching kids about nutrients and about nutrient-dense foods and that there are foods that fuel us and there's foods that just are just for fun and that both we include both of them in the food that we eat and that it's okay that we include both of them and neither is good or bad because as humans we have this natural desire to rebel and so when we call something bad we naturally gravitate towards that thing as that thing we're not supposed to have and what it does is it overvalues these fun foods so if we say things like oh donuts are bad for you so we only have them on Saturdays well, then you're looking forward to Saturday every single day. And then when it finally comes to Saturday, it's hard to control ourselves around this food that is so-called bad. When we approach it in that we eat fuel foods and we eat fun foods, and there's no restriction around when we have the foods or around talking about these foods as being something unhealthy or something that we shouldn't be eating. Instead, we just name them as they are. Fuel foods are what we eat most of the time and we eat fun foods sometimes, but it's not we only eat donuts on Sunday because they're bad, or we only eat birthday cake at a birthday party. Even if you do only eat birthday cake at a birthday party, it's just a fun food that you have when there's a birthday party. It's okay that food is celebratory, but it's changing that language around these foods are good and these foods are bad, and instead educating on foods that fuel us. Um, so, you know, my daughter knows that foods that fuel us are foods that come from the farmer's market or foods we get at Trader Joe's. And then sometimes we also go out and get fun foods like donuts or a cupcake, and, and that's okay too, but we don't eat those foods every day. The foods that we eat every day and the foods that we tend to keep in our home are foods that are fuel foods. And none of the foods in our house are restricted. And Unless I have something set aside for like an event that I'm going to, we don't have foods in our house that are restricted. And it's so funny. I tell I tell my friends whenever I go on vacation, especially if I like go on a work trip or something like that, I always eat popcorn because my daughter and my husband are allergic to popcorn and I don't want to keep it in the house because I don't want to keep something that they can't have in the house because I, I find that cruel. And even though I love popcorn, I love going to the movies and getting popcorn. I love popping it myself. It's so funny. And I think part of it is probably that I don't get it very often. So it's more appealing to me. 
But and so I have that overvalue of this of this food because I don't have it very often, but we just don't keep it in our house. Um, but so we do keep mostly fuel foods in our house, but we also keep fun foods in our house too. And we've changed the language around food from, you know, these foods are good and these foods are bad to these foods make us feel good. These are fuel foods. They fuel our bodies. They build our bodies. They make us strong and feel good. And these are fun foods and they just taste good. And it's all just about changing that language. So tip number three is to avoid using food as punishment or reward. Kids need to know that their needs will always be met, that there are no conditions on food. Kind of like I was talking about, you know, you we only eat donuts on the weekend or whatever. Not having conditions on food means not having to do something in order to get something. So not having to be good to get this food that is good or bad or whatever, right? So similar to taking those labels off of food, we're not saying you have to do this thing in order to get food. And at the same time, you're not using food as a punishment. So like if you don't clean your room, you don't get dinner. They need to know that food is always available for them. So they're not creating this sense of rebellion or deprivation where they you know, can't control themselves around food because they're afraid that at any time it could be gone. You wanna make sure your kids know that they will always be fed, food will always be available to them, This doesn't need to mean that the exact food that they want will always be available, but not using it as a punishment and also trying not to use it as a reward either. Like, you know, if you're good, you get this food. And it's okay that food is celebratory because we are emotional beings. Food is going to be emotional at times and that is okay. And having cake at a birthday party or going out for a family, we love getting cider donuts in the fall and it is that season. We are totally gonna do that soon. That's just something that we do for fun. We don't have to do something in order to get it. It's just something we do for fun. And what this does is create that positive relationship with food and that trust in their bodies, that they know that their needs will be met, that food will always be available, and they don't have to do something in order to get it, whether it's a fuel food or a fun food. This is really, really important. And something that can be really helpful for this, for neutralizing foods, so same thing, you know, along the same lines as changing your language around good and bad foods and not putting conditions on foods, tip number four is to include all types of foods at meals. This doesn't have to be every meal. It doesn't mean that every meal has to have dessert. Remember, this is the division of responsibility. The parent provides, you choose what foods you want to provide, and then the child decides. They decide how much they want to eat. And they need to know that they are always allowed to choose how much they want to eat and what they want to eat. But neutralizing food can be as simple as when you are choosing to have dessert, putting the cookies on the table at the same time as the rest of the things. This is something else I learned from Ellen Satter, and I think it is so powerful. But I will admit it is scary to me when I do it, too for my kids. I We don't do it very often because it is sort of like, oh my gosh, they're only gonna eat cookies for dinner. And knowing what I know about nutrition, I want my kids to be nourished. But I have to remind myself that they will self-regulate and what we're doing is neutralizing food and not overvaluing those fun foods, but letting them know that all foods are good foods in our house and that we don't restrict any types of foods. And even though we don't have dessert every single night because we don't eat a ton of processed sugar, It is okay when we do have it, and it's just the same as the other foods. So they might choose to eat the cookie first. And sometimes Sage will ask, she'll go, can I eat this first? And yeah, have the 
cookie. And she's like, okay. And chances are they'll also eat the kale too. But you know what? Sometimes they are just going to choose the cookies. And especially if this is new and you haven't done this before, once your kiddo has eaten enough cookies that they have a tummy ache, they'll realize that, you know, it does feel good to eat a variety of foods, right? So it's important to instill this in our kids that food is neutral. Food is just food. And there are fuel foods and there's fun foods and there are foods that nourish us and foods that just taste good. But that we do include all of those types of foods without restriction. So it doesn't create this feeling of deprivation when they don't have those type of foods because they know that there is going to be a time where we're going to have this available. And the other thing that can be really helpful with neutralizing food and not putting those good and bad labels around food and really encouraging your kids to to enjoy the eating process and trust in their bodies and um, embrace eating all types of food is tip number five. Get the kids involved with the eating process. So I want to share a funny story with you. Um, Getting kids involved with the eating process can be everything from getting them into the kitchen with you, having them peel potatoes. My daughter likes to use this um, apple cutter where she, she cuts apples. Um, Last year we made this really delicious, she called it an apple crunch. It was right around this time of the year where we went apple picking and she helped me peel the apples and slice them and we made this whole recipe together and it was such a beautiful experience to be able to create with her and we put it on the blog and she named it and and she loves talking about this recipe that she created and I gave her, you know, this experience allowed her to create this recipe and be involved in the kitchen. So part of it can be being in the kitchen, part of it can be Um, bringing your kids to the grocery store with you and letting them choose a fruit and a vegetable that they might want to have at lunchtime that week. Or maybe come to the farmer's market with you and choose what you're going to have for dinner. My daughter loves doing that with me. And really allowing them to to be a part of the the food process. And the story that I wanted to share with you is we're all sitting around on a Sunday morning having brunch, which I wish I could say that we have every week, but we don't. (laughs) But often, you know, a couple times a month, we like to sit together as a family. Either we go to early church service and then have, have some brunch after, or we have brunch early in the morning and go later. So we're sitting around and we're having eggs and toast and bacon. And I don't know why the topic of, um, being a vegetarian came up over the last or the previous couple of days. And my daughter looks down at her bacon and she goes, I'm a vegetarian. And my husband and I look at each other. We're like, oh, yeah? And she's like, yeah, because I eat bacon. And bacon comes from pigs. And pigs eat vegetables. So I'm a vegetarian. And we both kind of laughed because, you know what? She has a point. It does come from pigs. And pigs do eat vegetables. And we explained to her that's not exactly what vegetarian means. But it was so cute. And this is no offense to anyone who is a vegetarian. We eat all types of foods. We often eat plant-based meals. But we also do include meat. Um, And we like that our children know where our food comes from. This is one of our food values. Is we like to eat as locally as we can. And we like to provide our kids with a variety of nutrient-dense foods. Which is really important for nutrition. Um... But the fact that she knows where her foods, her food comes from and she's totally okay with the fact that, yeah, this comes from a pig and thinks she's a vegetarian because she's eating bacon <laughs> is pretty cute. But kids like to be a part of the eating process, especially, and the serving process, especially if you have kids who are 
pickier eaters. I don't like the, the word picky, um, but more selective eaters. Having them involved in the process of choosing the foods and preparing the foods can be a really helpful way um, to encourage them to try the foods because they were a part of the process. We forget often that children are tiny adults. They seek autonomy just like we do as adults. They want to know that they have a choice in things. And so getting them involved, allowing them to have choice from time to time when it comes to what you guys are going to have for dinner, allowing them to have choice in a couple of the of lunches or breakfast that you're providing for them can be really helpful. And, you know, if you are new to this and if you are trying to encourage more intuitive eating practices in your house, it can be really helpful to ask them what they want included when you go to the grocery store. And they might be really surprised when you say yes, when they want something like cookies or chips, but they might also surprise you and say something like they want carrots. I know my daughter tells me that she likes a variety of, you know, different foods when I come to the store and she'll ask me for a specific type of crackers, or she will say, I want carrots for my lunch this week, or I want snap peas. And she's very sure of herself. She knows what she wants. And I trust that. And I buy those things. And this doesn't mean that you have to, you know, buy every package of fruit snacks your kid wants whenever they want it. But this means allowing them some choice and some autonomy so they can start making those choices early on. So we're educating them about what we value when it comes to foods and also allowing them to make choices for themselves because we are ultimately raising healthy adults. We're not raising healthy kids. We're nourishing healthy kids now, but we're raising healthy adults. And what we want is that when they leave our house and everything is said and done, what's left is their relationship with food. And we want that to be a positive one. So last but not least, tip number six is to work on you. Friends, you are the very best influence on your kids. Your kids watch everything that you do. Remember that as moms, we have this unique ability to not only nourish our kids, but show our kids what having a healthy relationship with food looks like. That means learning to trust and respect our own bodies, learning to honor our own hunger and fullness, eating a variety of foods ourselves. We can't expect our kids to eat a variety of foods if we're not, and being open to trying new foods, to trying new things, and to listening to our bodies when things work and things don't. If you don't want your kids to go on some sort of a strict diet and eat differently than the rest of their family, you need to do the same. They will follow. They will watch. So my best encouragement for you in helping to raise nourished intuitive eaters is to work on your relationship with food and learn to nourish yourself and develop an intuitive relationship with food yourself. And you will go so far just leading your kids in that example. There is a ton of value in the things that I shared today and the resources that I shared and changing your language around food, helping kids to trust their bodies, not using food as punishment or rewards, including all types of foods and neutralizing them and getting them involved in the process. But the absolute best thing you can do is be that example for your kids. 
And mama, this all leads to me sharing that I have something brand new that just launched. And when I say I, I really mean me. Myself and my daughter Sage have spent the summer working on one of the most exciting things that we've created, and that is the Super Kids Collective. The Super Kids Collective is a Super Mama Society add-on. Now you don't have to be a Super Mama Society member to join the Super Kids Collective. The Super Mama Society is my monthly membership group coaching program for nourished intuitive mamas. Um, but the Super Kids Collective is directed right at kids. So Sage and I have come up with videos. We even have a Cooking with Sage series to help you encourage your kids to get in the kitchen with you. Brand new kids recipes, printables, resources, eBooks, a ton of resources to help you raise nourished intuitive eaters. There will be a new video or audio from me every month with different topics driven by the community on raising nourished intuitive eaters. We'll have plenty of recipes, new recipes, every single month um, and as a society member you will get a discount um, it's only $4.99 a month for society members or $6.99 if you're not already a member so we made it really affordable because our belief is that every child should have the resources every mom should have the resources to help raise nourished intuitive eaters we are going to share about encouraging family meals learning how to create a balanced plate for your kids and also encourage this healthy variety of foods, encourage your kids to try new foods and really enjoy food and enjoy the cooking process right along with you. Because ultimately, I want you to feel confident in raising nourished intuitive eaters. And that is what the Super Kids Collective is all about. So I am so, so excited that it has finally launched. It is here for you. If you want more information, go ahead to supermamasociety.com slash kids. I would love to have you join. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. You can shoot me a message, chris at healthymamachris.com. Catch me on Instagram or Facebook, Healthy Mama Chris. We are so excited to share this brand new resource with you. So friend, I hope this was helpful for you today. And I hope you go forth and raise healthy, nourished, intuitive eaters. Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris or on my website, Healthy Mama Chris. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. See you in the next episode.